0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, welcome back in to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is the Summer School Series. And today, we're going to talk a little Notre Dame football with Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. Tim, welcome to Summer School. Thanks, Bud. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just really excited to talk. Talk a little Irish off a, a tremendous season, 11-2. and two. Uh, They agree with the power ratings there. A, a legitimate top-10 caliber you know, Vegas-rated team. I love when that matches up, so we don't have to start off debating just how good they really were. Looking at the schedule this year, I think they're probably favored in ten or eleven games, and probably by double digits. And uh, I don't know, between five and eight, depending on how you feel about some of the teams on the schedule. I, I'm uh, I'm kind of bullish on this team. I, I feel like, and then yet I still have some questions to ask you about.
0: I'm cautious, um, okay. having been around for now seven head football coaches at Notre Dame. I mean, clearly Marcus Freeman is doing all the right things in recruiting and behind the scenes and asking the right questions and soliciting opinions from people in the know, including former Notre Dame head coaches like Lou Holtz. So it's, it's not a matter of that. It's, it's the learning curve on game day. I mean, the reality is that they played a fiesta bowl difficult circumstances for Marcus Freeman to, to take over, but they had a 21 point lead and they let it slip away. So, um, you know, some in-game things that, that every head coach, every first time head coach has to deal with. But I think, you know, I think the strength of this team is the defensive side of the ball, which is a great place to start. And if you had to name two areas, uh, I could name more than two that are really strong. But it's it's the offensive line and the defensive line. So that's a that's a good starting point. When I look at the schedule, you know, I see a, a couple of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, with Ohio State and USC starting the season with Ohio State and ending it with USC. So there's some pitfalls there. I think the schedule is a little bit more difficult. I don't know Then I'd say then normal, but you throw Clemson in there and a trip to Vegas to play a, a very good BYU team or, or one that was very good last year. So there's some stumbling blocks there, but this is a, the transition is, is with Marcus Freeman as a game day coach, everything otherwise uh, is in pretty good shape with this team.
1: Well, one area I wanted to, I wanted to start with uh, was, was the offense. You know, last year I had a power rated inside the top 20 for offense, but interestingly I felt like Notre Dame under Brian Kelly was always a really good running team. And, and last year, uh, their, their passing efficiency uh, was much higher uh, than their run efficiency was, which was interesting. And I, I got to say Jack Cohn performed much better uh, than I thought he would entering the season. But I was also a little bit uh, disappointed at times in the, in the run game. Um, and I'm curious, do you see that the, the run efficiency this year changing or, or perhaps the run frequency or both? I think probably both Harry, he returns as
0: offensive line coach who has turned out first round draft choices up front. And plus that line is just more experienced. They were, I mean, they weren't, they didn't struggle early in the season last year. They were terrible early in the yeah. season last year. And then they started to put it all together. They found some answers with, with offensive line coach, Jeff Quinn, they end up, you know, they have their, they had four different starting left tackles. Two of them were true freshmen. Both of those guys now will be starters at the two tackle spots, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt, as sophomores, although Fisher only played two games because of injury. So there was a big transition there. Somehow they pulled it together midway through the season and allowed them to finish off 11-1 during the regular season. And when I said they're strong in most positions, the questions now are, are at quarterback because Jack Cohn was – for as immobile as he was, he was very efficient throwing the football and very accurate. Uh, and they stuck with him at a time, you know, at times early in the year when he couldn't get out of the way of the pass rush. Uh, so now they go to Tyler Butner, very highly touted, very little inexperience, including going back to his his high school days when he missed one season because of injury and he missed another because of COVID. So um, you know, inexperience there, and any the other real the real concern is. The wide receiver room, which only had four scholarship players in it this spring, which even for a spring, that's an incredibly low number. Yeah. We'll it, though, that's hard to run practice. It really uh, is. Uh, yeah. It really is. And you don't know how how battle tested your secondary is going against a group like that. Although I do think the secondary will be improved. But so they need, you know, they need grad transfers, at least one, probably two. Uh, to get that wide receiver room up to speed. And then that's difficult with a first-time starting quarterback. But, I, yeah, so to, to answer your original question, I think that they probably do run it uh, a little bit more and or throw the football to the running backs more, which we've seen offensive coordinator Tommy Reese kind of cling to uh, as he moves forward in his third year as the coordinator. A
1: ton of good information here so far from Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. Buckner as the presumptive starter. I, I think we've all known in, in the recruiting and scouting community just how talented he is. But you're right, just the, the reps haven't been there. And that's a kid that just needs to play. Right? And, and just yeah, you know, there's some learning on the job element for sure. Um, you mentioned receiver. I, I was going to go there. I've always been a fan of Kevin Austin since I saw him as a sophomore down at the uh, the old Nike camps. Now, now they're you know, really kind of not, not a thing anymore. Uh, with With him leaving and who – who scares opposing defenses from the receiver position? I know they're light on numbers, but do they have somebody who stands out to you as as the uh, you know, presumptive dude in, in, in that offense? I think there's a presumptive dude. I don't know that there's anybody that scares anybody yet.
0: Maybe okay. as the season progresses, you know, I think the guy Lorenzo Styles would be the guy that can that can scare people. He really had a he had a strong freshman year, started slowly, didn't get a lot of playing time, and then got better and played more as the season went on. Uh, they really need Avery Davis to bounce back from a, you know, to bounce back from an ACL. When I talk about, um, you know, guys that were there this spring, Avery Davis didn't even practice because he was coming back from an ACL. And then Brayden Lindsey, I mean, those are the three best slash most experienced guys at wide receiver. Joe Wilkins coming off an ACL as well. So, I mean, their numbers are their numbers are down. And as far as like scary people. They don't really have that guy. I mean, I think, I think styles can fall into that category, but you're pitting a lot of hope on a kid like Tobias Merriweather, who was a, you know, top rated receiver coming out of high school, but he wasn't here in the spring and he'll have to adapt quickly in, in August. So that's why I say they need, they need one grad transfer receiver, but they're probably better off getting two. And I'm not sure either of those would scare anybody, but it would at least make it a, a much more established and competent receiver room. It would be less scary for
1: Notre Dame fans if they actually had decent scholarship. Yeah, that's part that's sure. of for, for sure, <laughs> to, to stick with the scary theme. Right. Uh, last question for you on the offense. Obviously, any time you go from an offensive head coach uh, and then you go to a defensive head coach who retains the existing OC, uh, the, the question is going to come up. What is there anything that Tommy Reese wants to do differently not necessarily based on personnel because certainly as we discussed with the increased run reps most likely that that's going to be a personnel based uh you know tendency and decision is there anything that you're aware of that that Reese wanted to do that maybe not clashed with Kelly but just Kelly had you know, wanted to do different things and now that Reese is calling his own shots he, he gets to do
0: yeah it's a good question it's one that's come up frequently uh, since Brian Kelly left and even Tommy Reese will tell you that you know, he was in charge. He was making the play calls on game day. And there's always there's always a give and take with the head coach, especially since the head coach was at Notre Dame because of what he did offensively at Cincinnati. But, I, you know, I mean, I, I think to answer your question, I think maybe be a little bit more aggressive at times, uh, probably at the end of halves, end of first half, those kind of things, instead of playing it close to the vest, although Reese called it conservatively. At the end of the first half of the Oklahoma State Fiesta Bowl. So I don't think that there's anything drastic. That that is the that was the 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 conception of the situation once that Brian Kelly left. But Reese will even tell you that it's his offense. He'll run it. He's very creative, very diverse. He hasn't fully hit his stride yet, where he's really put out a, a real high-powered offense. His hands have been tied a little bit, especially with the way the offensive line perform the first half last year. Uh, and then the questions about, um, you know, the receiver room right now. So, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there will be anything significant. I think he does a good job of playing to his strengths and his strength is starts with number 87, a tight end, Michael Mayer. So he will be emphasized heavily, but you have to get productivity and you have to be able to quote, scare people, with their wide receivers, and so they're going to need to develop that. I don't think it'll be anything really, really drastically different from what they did. And it was creative. His, his offense has been creative. It hasn't necessarily been matched by the productivity of it.
1: For sure. Uh, something that we, we don't expect to change very much stylistically just due to the continuity with the head coach and D.C., Uh, is the defense. A a top 15 unit in 2021, if you adjust for opponent, uh, carry the team at times, especially I thought early on with with the play of the safeties. But I want to start up front, and this is a a spot where I'm a little bit concerned by the number of snaps lost. I'm looking here, it looks like 900 uh, snaps lost by interior defensive linemen uh, from last year's team. But Notre Dame has recruited the defensive line about as well as I can remember since probably the early 1990s. So that's a long time. Some of our listeners probably weren't even born then. Uh, am I wrong to just be confident that they're going to have guys step up? And, and if not, who, uh, who, who do you think is going to be the, the guys who step up there?
0: I don't think you're wrong in that assumption. And, I, and I, let me start by talking about Al Golden, the new defensive coordinator, which I think was a creative um, kind of inspired choice by Marcus Freeman. It was promoted a little bit by uh, Director of Athletics, Jack Swarbrick, who got to know Al Golden uh, in, the, in the head coaching uh, process when they hired Brian Kelly. Not that he was necessarily you – yeah, know, he, he did kind of consider hiring Al Golden as the head coach, but he had struggled at Miami. But I think it's an inspired choice because he comes from the NFL. He was with the Bengals. He was in the Super Bowl. He wasn't coordinator, but he was a linebacker's coach for five years. Uh, And he brings with him um, a different perspective from the NFL. And, And part of that is the realization that you can't wait till halftime to make changes with your defense. You have to be able to make you have to be able to react on the fly. And if not play by play, series by series. And I think Golden is that's a concept that Golden has brought there that Marcus Freeman feels good about. Um, I think their defensive line, they don't, they're not overly blessed with a ton of off the edge guys, but they do have a couple good ones in Isaiah Foskey and, uh, and Justin Adam they, they do have to stay healthy. I think Jason Adam the twin brother of Justin on the interior was a really, really quietly, almost great defensive tackle for Notre last year. The guy that they lost was, was Kurt Heinisch who played five years took advantage of that COVID year and took another year. Um, but they they have depth there. And I think that was something that we saw in the blue gold game Saturday that, um, you know, you can split up the defensive line all you want. You still have two pretty good defensive lines there. So I think it starts there. They have talent at linebacker. I think the corners and safety situation has improved. I think you're accurate when you, when you assume that this is going to be, Continue to be a quality defensive team, and in, in the you know following Clark Lee, following Marcus Freeman, and now Al Golden. I
1: I also want to say, as a, as a guy who who lives in Florida and you know, has, has covered uh, you know, the state of Florida for about fifteen years now, uh, Golden kind of got a raw deal at Miami. I, I don't I don't know if he'll speak about this publicly, but the uh, the level of sanctions that were coming for what happened at Miami uh, in the you know early to mid two thousands. Uh, before he got there, I don't think we're fully disclosed in that, that process. And then he, he got there and uh, just a few months later, they, they dropped those sanctions. That was uh, almost anybody who, who had, had accepted that job was going to be set up to not fail, but, but not succeed at the highest level that you would think about with the university of Miami at, at linebacker. I, I, I think I agree with you. They should be okay. Obviously you're, you're the expert L- losing white and Bauer, not impact guys, really. I mean, just they, they played eight hundred snaps, but I feel like that's replaceable given how they recruit. Yeah, up. actually,
0: actually, Bowers back. Uh, you know, White oh, is was back. A, yeah, oh. Bowers back. White was a brain trust. There's no doubt about that, and the leader. But they, you know, the guy that they were really, really high on that we were high on when we watched August practice last year was Maris Leafau, and then he suffered a broken um, lower leg preseason and they had to play J.D. Bertrand who, who played his butt off and and led the team in tackles but was not in a position to be a every down player for them uh so Bauer's back Leofile's back main interception in the spring game uh, which is the kind of impact guy that he has uh, that he is and then you know they got a, a kid named Jack Kaiser who came from a 1A school in Indiana which Indiana's a basketball school, not a football yeah. school. Oh, Tim,
1: I, I saw Kaiser down here at the Miami Adidas seven on seven. He killed it.
0: No, I'm he's like, a this really kid? he's very one, athletic. The player. When you ask the players who you respect the most on this team, which I did last year, like about thirty percent of them, you know, out, out of all the guys they could choose, this was a guy that was a you know an underclassman. Uh, they would choose Jack K- Kaiser. Very smart, very instinctive after the the spring game i wrote the best tackler on the team i think i think pro football focus had him for two missed tackles this year last year which is an, an impossible accomplishment so yeah they're good i mean i don't know that they're you know if you say okay do they have a, a whole bunch of four and five star linebackers no but they have good football players that that have some experience all three of them well leifall doesn't have a ton of experience but he has the most athletic ability of that group so and then they have some depth because if if Bertrand starts, you have Bauer off the bench or vice versa. Um, so, and then Prince Colley's another guy that that is in the mix there. So they're they're good there. Um, I think they they'll be better there than they were last year because now they can tap into a little bit more depth.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, losing Hamilton and, and Houston Griffith at, at, at safety, but but you bring in Joseph from Northwestern, who I don't think is quite as good as Hamilton was, but should, should still be a starter. I would assume. Absolutely. He is, uh, no, he's not Kyle Hamilton
0: athletically and lengthwise, but he is Kyle Hamilton football instincts, uh, smarts, confidence. I also, I also compare him to a Loki Gilman from a couple of years ago, just in terms of when those guys, those three guys, Hamilton and, and Joseph and Gilman, when those three guys walk on the football field, they're completely confident that their playmakers are going to do something great. And Joseph, Joseph was we didn't get a whole lot of access to to watching practices spring, but he had at least one interception in the first five padded practices. Uh, He's just a ball hawk uh, cut from the same cloth as, as Kyle Hamilton, but not a first round draft choice, but a guy that probably will play in the NFL and is confident that he will. So he leads that group again. The safeties are deeper than they've been uh and then the corners um you know you have cam hart you have clarence lewis who was really exposed by oklahoma state in the fiesta bowl but had a good spring um and then you have some young guys there too so the secondary is it's better and it's deeper which is the same thing i'd say about um the linebacker core
1: no doubt about it tim priester irish illustrated really looking forward to reading more of your coverage throughout the summer we'll have to have you back on for our fall previews and then tim i can't thank you enough for the time, man. I feel like I learned, learned an absolute ton about Notre Dame today.
0: I appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, bud. All right. Take care. All
1: right. That's the bell. Cover three college football summer school is over for today, but don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast, and we'll see you all soon.